And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. And it's time to talk finance with the one and very only Luke Smith from Envision Financial. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Mate, thanks very much for having me. It's nice we to were, be out of the we, cold. We were right. Oh, absolutely. It's freezing out there. Isn't oh, it? it's very we were right down to the wire there while oh, you were fiddling with your camera the for, the, for the YouTube video yeah. that will uh, eventually result from this session. Mm. And we should remind people that if you miss the uh, the thing on a Friday afternoon on the radio, you can always check the YouTube channel yeah. uh, to, uh, to see the segment uh, in video, which is always That's a lot it. of fun. Exactly. Uh, right. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, it is uh, currently uh, nine degrees outside, but the feels like is two. <laughs> well, that's, I think that's generous. As, as, the, as the sun disappears, I think it'll be minus three. Uh, it'll quickly. start dropping very quickly at For this sure. time of the day. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, we're here to talk about diversification today, yep. but just before we do that, we had another yep. interest rate change this week. Yes. And the experts are telling us we should expect interest rate increases pretty much every month until Christmas. Mm. So uh, you were telling me before we started the segment today that you have concerns that perhaps some people don't quite understand just how challenging conditions might become. Yeah, look, spot on. Um, And we've seen equity markets come back off the really driven by the news of rising interest rates because increased costs impact earnings, company profits. So we've seen a revaluation of international and domestic assets and the ASX 200 is trading around 7,000 points. So that's back from sort of highs of 7,500, which, you know, is, is starting to get some momentum. Um, because what people need to keep in mind is equity markets are pricing in what is happening now. And, and equity markets are pricing in cash rates of between sort of 25 to 3% by Christmas, with potentially, you know, 3.2% by March and, and June next year. So I, I can't stress enough to people, understand where your money's going, get everything you can into an offset account because the percentage increase that is that is going to build with momentum following interest rate rises is going to impact people's cash flows severely. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a few things to take in there, but I just had a quick look at the ASX chart for the year, yeah. and for this year it's down 5% at the moment. So, yeah, for sure. So yeah. that's going to impact on the balance in your superannuation fund, for example, and you might yep. be a little bit alarmed about that. Yeah, but I don't think people need to be alarmed by it. Um, at the end of the day, we need to remember that this is a marathon and not a sprint. You can still generate good income and have – a portfolio from a total return perspective that may be 0%. It may be negative. Um, we're seeing portfolios at the moment that have provided 3 4 and 5% income yields but have provided a zero return or a negative return over a 12-month period. And this is where generating income in your portfolio really comes to the forefront because in a unitized fund, you're selling to pay pensions. You need to control your income. And, and people need to remember that it's just a revaluation. We saw that in COVID. Yeah. We saw it come back very strongly. So don't don't lose sight of a longer-term goal or a longer-term objective for short-term pressure like we're seeing at the moment. And the other factor, of course, when we talk about interest rates is uh, the prices of houses and people's mm. ability to repay their mortgages. Yep. Now, already we've seen a slowing in house price growth and we're seeing a lot of experts predicting actual falls in house prices Mm -hmm. and uh, some of them are suggesting falls of as much as 20% fairly quickly. That sounds Mm. pretty alarming. Yeah, it is. And again, I think we need some context around things and and people need to remember where they are and what their location can tolerate. I think house prices in the ACT under the sort of $1.5 million mark 
will probably remain fairly constant because there's a lot of demand for housing in those brackets. What you generally see when values start to come under pressure or people's cash flow comes under pressure is things that are heavily leveraged get sold off. And they're generally the larger end of town where you've got much larger payments, larger borrowings, um, or there's been a significant change in the viability of somebody's business. If you're unfortunate enough to be in an industry that's been severely impacted by COVID, that generally results in a change in your cash flow um, and an inability or or additional pressure to fund mortgages. And you can carry any amount of debt you like. And, you know, as I say amongst my colleagues, just do not run out of cash flow. And under any circumstances, do not run out of cash flow. Because as long as you can service your debts and get you through these rate changes, things will normalise and and we'll we'll hit a plateau in interest rates like we hit a plateau in house prices. But I can't stress enough to people, be prepared understand where your money's going and get everything you can into offset accounts to give you the ability to weather the storm that is coming. Because if we go from 08 to 2.5 or 3% cash, variable home loans won't be at 2.5 or 2.6%. They'll be at late fours, early fives. Yes. And that is a significant increase on a percentage basis. And you might have a $3,500 mortgage payment that could become four and a half or five Within 12 months. Yes. So I can't stress enough to people, be ready to save your money, start saving your money, look at your lifestyle, look at your spending, and let's try and sort of get through this without too many tears. Uh, And of course, when we're talking about interest rates, there's no shortage of people who are saying, what are they complaining about? Back in the day, we were paying 18% mortgage Mm. rates. The the problem, of course, as you've pointed out previously, is that uh, back in the good old days, when we went from 16% rates to 18% rates, that was only a very small marginal increase. But Mm. if you go from 2% to 4%, that's a doubling of what you're paying. Exactly. And we're in in a, a wage environment where wage growth isn't strong. And you don't need to have a doctorate of mathematics to work out that, you know, if you go from two and a half to four and a half, it's a 70, 80% increase. Yeah. And if your wages go up two and a half percent, it's going to be very difficult to keep pace with what's happening and, and, and keep some traction in relation to mortgage payments. So this younger generation, I think, are in for the eye opener that I think maybe they need. Um, because I've had mums and dads come and sit in my office and say exactly what you just said. Oh, back in our day. Mm. And, and kids for the last 10, 11 years, haven't had rate rises. So they think this is normal through no fault of their own. Yeah. Um, and now they're going to find out what it's like to put their, their big boy, big girl pants on and, you know, play on. Absolutely. And, of course, back in those good old days when we had the 18% interest rates, uh, the price of the house we bought was a lot lower mm. and in real terms too. Yeah, and you probably, you know, back then you probably weren't running 9 to 10 times household income to no, debt, which... it was about two or three. Yeah, we've never been more indebted as a nation ever with yeah. prices the highest they've ever been with the cheapest money it's ever been. It's, 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 look, it's been the perfect storm brewing for the last five years. Yeah, you know, and, it, and now the wave's going to hit the beach and let's hope you've got a life raft. All right. <laughs> Today we're talking about diversification, yeah. which, which in a way is actually tied into this because diversification is a, a strategy for helping to protect against difficult times. That's right. It gives you the ability to try and mitigate an individual issue causing a more severe problem than it needs to within your portfolio. And, and diversification is exactly that. It's the ability to spread risk across a range of asset classes to reduce the impact of a negative change in value from any one part of the portfolio considering your underlying assets. Yeah. That's, that's it in a nutshell. What does that mean? It's the old adage of don't have all your eggs in one basket. 
And it's very easy to get caught up in overweight positions of things that you love. Oh, I've got a ton of Tesla. Oh, I've got a ton of Google. A ton of anything is dangerous. As I say in, in my office regularly, if something's sexy, it's either expensive or dangerous, <laughs> okay, in any facet of life. And every lad out there knows what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. Um, but it's, it's, it's the same with investments. Something can be amazing and you can have an overweight exposure to it and it only takes an adverse reaction to a market, to interest rates, to earnings, to a CIO, director, manager, someone steps away and it can have an adverse impact on your portfolio. So make sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket. Make sure you have a suitable exposure across different sectors. Have some Australian shares. Have some international shares. Have some property. Have some infrastructure. Have some fixed interest. Have some cash. You know, spread it around. Have a little bit, like a pizza. Cut it into slices and have different bits on different bits because diversification is about limiting individual impacts. Yes. And if you've got six green apples, whilst you may say, I've got six of something, if worms like apples and you've got six green ones, whether you've got six of them, two of them, or 20 of them, the worms are going to eat the apples. What you need to think about is, I've got two apples, a banana, a pear, a kiwi fruit, a mango, and then you've got the ability to limit the spread and the magnitude of a change in value. And that's really all diversification is about. So in my superannuation fund, I've got apples, bananas, mangoes, outstanding. I Perfect. like it. There you go. That's all you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what my, that's what my kids say. You, Daddy, you also, need one of each. You're also referring to uh, diversifying with both active and passive assets. What do you mm. mean by that? So when we, when we look at constructing a portfolio, we can look at passive and active management. Now, with an active port, uh, portfolio, you have specialised managed funds um, that will actively trade in specific sectors. So you may have an Australian equity fund that has a specific theme in relation to the way that they invest and they're actively buying and selling to add out performance over the course of 12 months. In contrast, you could have a passive exposure, which is something like an ETF or an exchange-traded fund. It just replicates a section of the market like the ASX 200. Whatever's in that ASX 200 and the ETF that you've bought in that sector will replicate it it's not actively moving in and out of positions trying to per generate outperformance. It's just buy and hold and very static, whereas an active manager is trying to add additional value to the return by being far more proactive and, and trading inside that fund. So you don't potentially want all active managers. You don't necessarily want all passive managers. All we're pointing out here is spread how your portfolio generates its returns. In a similar vein, look at the individual sector. So we've got Australian shares, we've got international shares, and we've got property. You might have some domestic property that could be a fund that owns shopping centres that generates a really good income stream. You might have an ETF that replicates the ASX 200 property index, and that might be more of a managerial slant. You might have physical property, you might have some infrastructure Ports, buildings, airports, toll roads, things that are really boring. Right? I like boring. Boring mm -hmm. is great. Yes. Generally speaking, people, for whatever reason, are not terribly impressed with boring, but boring is good because boring means nothing bad is happening. Well, boring <laughs> means that if things do get bad, 
you will still hold those assets at the end of the experience because, as I said earlier, anything that's sexy is expensive or dangerous. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so what do we need to consider when uh, we're thinking about diversification within our portfolio? So I think the important thing is understand your risk tolerance and remember that superannuation is specifically is a longer-term play. Yes, things are bad at the moment. Yes, things are a little bit more negative than we like. And everybody loves things being positive. So look at your asset allocation. Spread your risk within asset classes. Have something in each of the sectors and have a look and see how much of your portfolio you have in Australian equities. Have a look at how much you have exposed to international and then consider that as part of your broader total. Look at the weight of individual stocks. This is one I see a lot of. I see mums and dads come in and go, oh, I've got a portfolio here myself and it's 95% Australian equities and there's four massive holdings in banks and one of BHP. Mm. Now, there's nothing wrong with those That's a pretty straightforward conservative approach. Correct, but it's also a massive allocation of growth assets. But more importantly, it's a very large exposure to individual holdings. And I generally believe that running a portfolio with an individual share exposure of no more than 5% is prudent because if that one stock like, let's say, CBA, let's say CBA went under and you've got 5% of that, that generally puts at risk around one year of your portfolio's income at 5% income generation. So you're trying to mitigate risk or lower risk by not having massive allocations to BHP because if they blew up a mine in Brazil and went from 40 bucks to $13, you're looking at a larger impact on your total wealth. So look at the individual assets. And I said before, great companies are great for a reason, but you don't have to have massive overweight exposures to it. And if you do, then just understand that if something bad happens, it'll have a greater impact on your total wealth and potentially the income that you can live off in retirement. Indeed. And of course, um, obviously, uh, you might be invested in a, a great company, but there can be other factors as well that uh, upset the apple cart, mm. uh, external factors. So that's uh, one of the reasons why you don't assume that any one particular investment is, as they say in the classics, as safe as houses. Mm. Um, things do happen and can happen, and that's why the diversification mm. helps to uh, reduce that risk. Yeah, and look, here's a great example. So, you know, you look at equity markets over the last 12 months, um, you know, domestically, they're probably negative a little bit. Aussie equity market from January is off about five. International markets are off 10. Um, infrastructure assets have provided a 12 to 14% return over the last 12 months. So there's an example of boring assets that yeah. have a lower correlation to equities because this change in interest rates impacts the future cash flow and the valuations of companies. And that's why we're seeing the domestic and international markets come off in value because it's always a revaluation of the income that we're seeing. And in the fixed interest space, as we touched on last week, fixed interest returns at the moment are negative because if your money's already invested yeah. and your measure, which is the cash rate, goes up, any existing investment can't be reinvested until it matures like the rent on a house can't be changed until the lease ends. Yes. So it's not that things are bad. You just need to understand the context that we're operating in at the moment, and there's some different times to what we've seen over previous years. Today we're talking about diversification. What is it, and how do you do it? Luke, it sounds complicated. It's not mm. really. No, it's not, no. It's just about being sensible. Um, you know, the first bullet I've got here on things to remember when it comes to diversification, don't overdo it with the things you love. 
if you love something too much, generally something bad happens. Mm. And it can be the same with stocks. Right. You know, if something's great and you love it, that's wonderful and it might be lovely. But just remember that every now and then the clouds come over and you don't want a change in value to impact your total wealth unnecessarily. You know, remember to move sectors and, and, and be proactive when it comes to spreading the risk. Look at having a suitable asset allocation or, as I say, in the office. If the speed limit's 100 and you're doing 90 to 110, there's a very good chance you're not going to have a problem. It's very hard to talk your way out of a ticket doing 180 and 100 zone and then get upset that you got caught. Yes. You know, so if you have a huge allocation of growth stocks and things go sideways, then it's going to have an adverse impact on your total value. Think about having some active and some passive investments. So for those out there that have shares, managed funds, ETFs, look at where you're exposed. Look at where you can add the greatest value. If you look at the, the economic research, active management in the small cap space and the alternative space is where the greatest value is achieved. And then consider passive for widely researched sectors like uh, international, Aussie equity, domestic property, because information is so instantaneous now that the, the arbitrage opportunities of timing and, and, and market information and things not being released quickly have been diminished. So, you know, look at using the ETFs because they're a very good way of getting cost-effective diversification. And then add your listed shares around that to control your income, your franking credits, and the quality of what you hold. You know, a lot of people say, oh, property's risk-free. No, it's not. Equities and shares are dangerous. Maybe, maybe not. There's a big difference in the quality of a share when you compare Commonwealth Bank to a diamond mine in Uganda. Yes. They're both shares. That doesn't mean they both have the same risk tolerance or, or risk aversion. So understand what you hold. Diversify your income stream. If you're buying fixed interest assets, try and stagger the maturity dates of what you hold. That way you can reinvest money at a higher interest rate. If you're holding term deposits at the moment, don't lock them up for too long. We're going to see cash rates rise. So at the moment, um, Macquarie Bank have a deal at, I think, 2.75 for 12 months. At the moment, that's great. That may not be great in six months because cash rates may have exceeded that offer. But again, think about shorter duration, so shorter time frame. Invest for six months and 12 months. Let it mature and then consider your options at the time so that you can be reactive and, and, and proactive at the same time and, and make sure you get the most out of the opportunities that are available because cash is going to climb, um, so you don't want to commit for too long or you'll be out of the market. Um, and make sure you've got good dividends coming out of your stocks from a wide range of sectors so that you've got good, strong income in both good and bad times. Fantastic. So, Luke, it's that time of the day when I say where can listeners get more information? So, 62604749. Give us a call, make a time, the girls can fit something in. Um, If you want to get round to that 30 June decision, um, that ship may have sailed. Um, unless your sob story is amazing. <laughs> um, envisionfinancial.com.au, we've got the website there. Uh, we've got the podcast, the strategy stack of Luke Talks Money on iTunes and Spotify. And as you said before the ad break, we've got all of the shows on YouTube so you can watch them on your phone. We've got the key takeouts before and after the ad breaks. Take down a few notes. You don't have to read anything. There's a little something there for everybody. Sensational. Luke, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Have a great long weekend, and uh, we'll see you again next Friday afternoon at the same time once again to talk about financial matters right here on 2CC. Thanks to Envision Financial.